Horror movies directed exclusively by women-identified directors, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the always lovely and insightful and brilliant and beautiful Ariel. Oh, my goodness. You always <laughs> pump up my ego. Thank you. Yeah, I, exactly. I'm, I'm here to like hype you up, get you going. See, I want you to see yourself the way the rest of the world sees you. Oh, and my goodness. That, that is what I'm about. And then I'm going to tease you mercilessly in like 15 minutes. So, you know, uh, yeah. I got to like, I know what to expect. We've been balance. friends long enough. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, girl? You dish it just as hard as you get it. So, oh, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I love. This is our this is our love language. Teasing is our love language. I'm not good at the mushy stuff, but I will tease with love. Luke Rachel is very good at the mushy stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, how are you? How are I'm you good. doing? Are you hanging yeah. in there? Yeah, I'm doing I have to good. say, you came up on a recent episode of Trick or Treat Radio what yes. <laughs> why are you talking about me i don't like the sound of that i mean that's all i do is i just like get up with people and i'm like girl let me tell you about ariel <laughs> it's so funny because before i met you it had never occurred to me that sometimes my life is a little strange it really? seems super normal <laughs> i guess water doesn't know it's wet <laughs> Uh, it is strange. And so it has become definitely like a topic of conversation. And I was guesting on an episode where we talked about Bad Girl Boogie. So, I mean, it was awesome. directed as well um, with our good buddies at Trick or Treat Radio, which, by the way, folks, if you are not listening to them, you are missing out. They are a, so funny. So funny. Such a like delightful pack of weirdos whose like mm -hmm. heart is in the right place. We were talking about like trans and queer horror. Each one of them wanted to take a moment to be like, if you got a problem with this, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> and they're like kind of, you know, East Coast bros. They could go, you know, on, you, right. you could be afraid that they would go another way but they're super like big hearted, open-minded, awesome that. guys. I know I adore, I literally adore them. But one of them, Raven Shadow, who is hilarious, <laughs> is a actual listener of the show. Oh, no. <laughs> and I mean, I truly think he just tunes in for you and your like crazy life. <laughs> and we started talking about how you have an open apartment that you're trying to like keep from getting inhabited. Yes. So, first of all, how I update me on the situation. Okay, so so far it is still empty because they're doing construction in my okay. apartment complex and okay. the construction is starting 
in my building. And so the super told me that they're not going to start showing it until after the construction's done. So I have about two weeks before they start showing this apartment. And then I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. Because if you recall last time we were trying to brainstorm ideas for how to keep. Oh, that's right. It, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So we got some suggestions. Okay. Yes. All right. So from the listeners, who, because one of the cool things about their show and something maybe someday we'll be cool enough to do <laughs> is they like, they, they actually stream live while they're recording. Can you imagine the shit? Oh my <laughs> God. We would be such a mess, Rachel. <laughs> we would be such a mess. But they stream live. And what that allows them to do is have listeners like watch along and yeah. comment in. Like we kind of have that functionality when we record on StreamYard, but they have like a whole other like chat room thing that they Yeah, do. it's, it's very cool. And the people in their chat are really cool too. It's a good Have community. you been in the chat? I have. Yeah. A couple times when you've been on. and. Aww. They seem like really good people. Right. So. Like Corny is in there mm -hmm. and, and uh, Creepy Girl is in there. Like really cool people. Yeah. But I think it was Creepy Girl suggested what you need to do is you need to go to like, what is that? That like you, you can order like stuff super, super cheap from. Wish. Wish. You go on Wish and get like a huge bag of like plastic bugs and like oh constantly be putting plastic bugs out front <laughs> so that people will be weirded out. So that's, that's a good an option. idea. Yeah. Right? Like some plastic cockroaches or something. Exactly. And just have them like upside down like they're dead, but they're just so right. many of them they're out and about. You know, because if they don't move and they're up right side up, people are gonna be like, that's just a plastic cockroach. But if it's an upside down cockroach, mm. then it looks like there might be a problem. That's using here. your noggin. I like that. Now the other one, which I also think is brilliant, and probably we could do even faster because you could probably find something on Amazon. Okay police tape oh shit <laughs> so johnny suggested wolfie suggested that you could at night after this everybody's gone to bed sneak up there and just like oh every God. night put like crisscrossing police that's tape. brilliant that never would have occurred to me which is sad because i watch so many detective shows and episodes yeah. of law and order it should have but yeah. yes oh my god i'm so gonna do that because so then smart. They come up and then the super will be like, I don't know what's good. They're this he'd have to tear down the police tape. He'd yeah. have to deny that there. So then they'd be like, okay, something's going on in here, and this super is not trustworthy because he's telling <laughs> me that this isn't a crime scene. Yes. Oh, I'm gonna do that. I'm really gonna do that. And I know what time the security guard goes around. So oh, yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Well, I can avoid being spotted. <laughs> if you do this, if you do end up doing any of this, you got to take a picture. Okay. So that I we can share it with our Some listeners, proof. and so I can share it with the <laughs> Trick or Treat Radio guys. Okay. I think I'm gonna do it. I think I'm gonna order it. Yeah. I think Wolfie would be delighted if you did that. <laughs> so such a funny idea. Uh huh. Uh -huh. I think that could actually work. I think so. I mean, I would be weirded out. I'm already weirded out when I'm like when I was like house hunting or when I was apartment yeah. hunting because you know I've watched a lot of horror movies right. and I'm gonna put all my stuff in this place and I'm gonna <laughs> live here and get naked here and be vulnerable <laughs> here and as a yeah. never nude that's a very vulnerable state right <laughs> so if I was showing up and there was like police tape and the person who would probably I'm guessing is creepy anyway because he's a super so like that's one of the job <laughs> requirements right like I've seen horror movies yeah. like they're never normals they're always odd bodkins True. so very you're already true. don't trust them and then boom police tape and they lie to your face about it that place yeah no that, I would nobody's definitely moving not in. moving yeah 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 i i totally agree
sprinkle I think a few that might buggies be the here and there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I do the double. The combo. Oh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to try it. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. All right. Any other weird dispatches from the neighborhood of madness? No, actually. Things have been pretty okay. It seems like some of the weirdos moved out and that has helped things. Are they just hibernating for the winter? Or I guess it's summer now. Yeah, it is. I mean, like the frat boys that live in the house, like a block away from me, have been having a lot of like parties. So there's like alcohol bottles everywhere. Okay. That's pretty normal. Yeah. yeah but that seems, yeah. Yeah. They're really into like, they have a kiddie pool and they're really into like waiting in a kiddie pool and then playing cornhole out in the street with like scantily clad ladies that come by. Jesus. Yep. It's like an AI was like, we are in a simulation and an AI has taken over the frat place. Yes, exactly. Algorithm. That's what I'm saying. It's like they're a caricature or something and they're getting older. <laughs> oh, no. I Like they just need someone next door to be like. Knock it like, off. <laughs> no, no. I'm like they could be like the rival. Like they, they're the, you know, right. the dean that has a problem with with frat boys. Like what is, what we need to give them like a Sigma Pi something right yeah, like whatever like the, yeah. the group of nerds they're torturing or something <laughs> yeah they need to be like sigma house <laughs> like <laughs> just to fully complete the stereotype that you're living in <laughs> i do feel like your neighborhood is like <sighs> behind every door is like a tv show of some kind you know oh, what i mean like that's like the weird frat frat like sex romp comedy then you've got mm -hmm. like some weird sexy adult content happening elsewhere like the, the the weird nudists are like an art film of some variety got an animal attack film going yes on. you've got like a <laughs> yes you've got like cocaine bear but it's like cocaine <laughs> raccoons chasing you but because they're also gay it's also slash like some weird kids animated film but mm -hmm. like now has been trans turned into a live action thing into the weird like <laughs> alvin and the chipmunks and kenny valley yeah, I don't know what's going on over there. It's wild. I mean, I'm moving to my new neighborhood at the end of this month. We'll see. Maybe I'll get a weird neighborhood. Yeah. I will say I've met a handful of the neighbors. Okay. They're all lovely to a person. Good. But there is a neighborhood group text that I will be added to soon. Oh. That I'm very excited about because I just feel like some shit is going to go down in the neighborhood group text. Right? Right. It kind of seems like that. And you're a curious person. Like if there's gossipy <laughs> stuff in there, <laughs> eat that up. <laughs> well, I'm excited for the group chat. And then this, this, you know the subsequent side chats. Like the, the, oh, 100%. You know, yes. And I hope I'm a part of all of those. <laughs> I won't be participating in the drama, but I will absolutely creep on it. I will uh -huh. lurk and I will report back. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so curious. I will have to come up with like anonymous names. <laughs> is there like an age range for your neighborhood? Like, does it skew older, or like younger so families? Or? Very much a mix of people who've been there for a long time, okay. like multi-generational, and uh -huh. then like young, new people who've like moved out of San Francisco to Oakland. Oh, God. No, but yeah. it's cool. Like all of my I like, I, they're like all gabers. So, oh, yay. Awesome. And there's like one other like young professional couple that we've okay. met so far. Either that or they're like the kids or grandkids of people who've lived in the neighborhood for a long time. Oh, I hope you start getting invited to like cool dinner parties and stuff. Well, I mean, they've been planning a block party and they're like waiting for us to move cool. in so we can like <gasps> do a block party. Yes. Block parties are fun. I've never been to one. I, I thought it was like 
stuff that only really happens in movies, like neighborhoods that go crazy for Halloween and there's all the kids on the street. Like Uh that's shit that only happens in movies. (laughs) And I thought block parties were like that too. (laughs) Wait, you never had like roving bands of kids on Halloween? I mean, like a few, but like, you know, in the movies where it's just like the streets are just packed with kids. That shit doesn't happen, does it? I mean, it felt like that when I was a kid. Maybe not. Really? Yeah, because, like, we would all – our parents would, like, drive us up to, like, Piedmont. Ah, there you go. So you could get, like, the big candy bars. Maybe I just (laughs) stayed in my neighborhood and everybody else was smart and went to the rich neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was, like, just tons of kids. The worst is when you get, like, a penny. Right. Or a toothpaste or something. (laughs) Raisins. Raisins. Jesus. (laughs) Or – like, I'm a person of a certain age, so, like, mm-hmm. some kind of carob bullshit. Yep. Ugh. Carob. I Although, know. you know what I don't think exists anymore? Sorry. I know we're mm-hmm. here to talk about a horror movie, but this is... This is important. Go ahead. <laughs> I Randy had never had, a like, one of those Tiger's Milk bars, which are carob. Oh. I could not find one. I don't know if they, Do they exist, not exist anymore. they not anymore? Huh. I don't know, but that's the only acceptable way to eat carob, and I couldn't find one. We didn't really have, like, candy or anything in the house. My mom, like, couldn't have it in the house because she would just eat it all. So we just didn't get to have it. But what we did have (laughs) and what was on way too low a shelf when I was a kid was maple syrup. (laughs) I used to go to the cabinet, take the maple syrup, and just fill my entire mouth with it. (laughs) And then essentially just bounce off the walls for, like, 15 minutes. (laughs) That's so disgusting. You'll be shocked to learn I don't actually like syrup anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like you did it like, one too many times and now you can't deal. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like I like when people are like, mmm, pancakes, I'm like, Meh. Yeah, you always do a savory breakfast, don't you? Like I when do. we go out to brunch, you always get like yeah, eggs benedict a, or something. I'm a benedict girl for yep. sure. For sure. Yeah. Sure. All right. Speaking of <laughs> benedicts, <laughs> that is not a good segue. No. <laughs> let's, let's move on to what we're okay. actually here today. Sounds good. We are going to be reviewing a little film that we've been promising to review. It is The Invitation from 2022, directed by Jessica M. Thompson. So, will you please let our listeners know what our spoiler policy here is on More Deadly? Sure. Uh, so, eventually, we're going to spoil this whole movie. We like to do that. Sometimes we accidentally do it early, too, but we're going to try not to. First, I'm going to tell you about the director and the making of the movie, and then Rachel and I will give you some spoiler-free thoughts so you know whether you want to check this out or not. It is on Netflix, so it's easy to do, and if you don't like spoilers, hop off, go watch it on Netflix, and come on back. But Rachel will give you a warning before we get into the real spoilery stuff. All right. So on that note, why don't you tell me a little bit about Miss Jessica M. Thompson and the making of this film? All right. So Jessica M. Thompson is an L.A.-based writer, director, editor, and producer who grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney, Australia. She knew she wanted to be a filmmaker from the time she was about 12 years old, and she always wanted to make horror movies specifically because she grew up watching movies like Alien, Jaws, The Omen, Psycho, and The Birds. Woman of taste. These are all excellent films. (laughs) So she studied at the Sydney Theatre Company, and she got her BA in Media Arts and Production from the University of Technology, Sydney. After that, she made four short films over the span of about five years, starting in 2008. And then in 2017, 
She directed her first feature-length film, which she also wrote and edited. It's called The Light of the Moon, and it's a drama about a woman dealing with the aftermath of being raped by a stranger in an alley. Yikes. Yeah, and it stars Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, who I love. Oh, wow. Um, I love her. Oh, I don't know if yeah. I can watch that. <laughs> I, I know. love her so much. <laughs> I know, but it premiered at South by Southwest and it won the Audience Award for Best Narrative Feature Film and it currently has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I don't know, it might be worth checking out. So after that, Thompson went on to apprentice direct the second season of The Handmaid's Tale for Hulu. And after that, she directed six episodes of the Showtime dark comedy series, The End. And then she made her second feature and her very first horror movie, The Invitation, which we'll be talking yeah. about today. Yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. So the script for The Invitation originally was being developed for Sam Raimi's production company. But I guess that fell through and then the script kind of landed in her lap. So she and Blair Butler, who wrote the script for The Invitation and had previously written the horror movies Hellfest and Polaroid, too. So they got together and the two women spent about a year working on the script. Thompson decided she wanted to do that because she wanted to strengthen the characters and the dialogue and lean more into the social commentary, which I'm sure we'll get into in our review. It was really important to her to have a woman-led creative team. The writer and cinematographer are both women as well as the department heads. And uh, she said in an interview with Collider, To me, it's just a difference of perspective. When you get something told time and time again, it's not actually just a man versus a woman thing. It's why do I want to watch the same film made by the same kind of people? Mm -hmm. As soon as you add diversity to the mix, whether that's race, religion, background, sexuality, gender, whatever it is, you're going to get a more interesting film just because it hasn't been done before. So simply, I wanted to keep it fresh. And if you want to do that and also... We needed more women in the business. So, of course, I'm going to hire women. Oh, I like her. She is awesome. Yeah, I know. Well, and especially because she did a movie for Netflix, too. Like, the fact that she was able to keep some control over who she hired is pretty cool. Definitely. So, they filmed for six months in Hungary. And I guess it was really tricky to find the right architecture because they needed places that would look like New York City and also the English countryside. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No problem. (laughs) Yeah. So they ended up actually touring a ton of castles and they fell in love with a gothic Tudor style castle in a town that I don't think I'm going to be able to pronounce. Nadaslatani. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. (laughs) There are a lot of letters in there. I don't know. Is it just me or did it kind of look like it was made of Lego? Okay. Thank you for saying that. You too? Okay. I'm glad it wasn't just me. It's like a real legit (laughs) castle, but the Uh outside of it looked fake, right? Right. Totally. It looked like it made of Lego. Yes. It's so bizarre. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. And Mm -hmm. some of the shots, like the wide shots of the castle, even looked like a miniature, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, considering sort of final act stuff, maybe there was some miniature stuff. Possibly. So when they saw this Tudor-style castle, she knew it was the perfect place to film um, because of how it looked, but also because she discovered that it was actually built by the great-great-grandson of Madame Bathory, 
who was what? a Hungarian noblewoman and alleged serial killer yeah. called Countess Dracula or the Blood Countess. Yeah, <laughs> familiar with her work. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're not familiar, she was called those names because she and her four servants were accused of torturing and killing hundreds of girls and women. And there were rumors that she bathed in the blood of virgins to keep her young. Listen, let's not hobby shame, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> You always do that right when I take a drink of water. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to destroy my microphone just like spitting water. <laughs> it's my superpower, girl. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, people do that like vampire facial, right? Exactly. See, yeah. she was a woman ahead of her time. A trailblazer, <laughs> you might even say. <laughs> so for this film, she was actually inspired by Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula and Kronos and Patrick Bateman in American Psycho, which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thomas Doherty, he's the one who plays Walt DeVille, the main male character who owns the castle. And to get him ready for the role, she had him watch Interview with a Vampire, The Shining, and a favorite of the zombie girls, The Hunger. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. So you and I always talk about this, but she has said in interviews a lot about how horror allows you to broach the topic of like complicated social issues in a way that's more accessible to audiences. Yep. Yeah. And so in this film, she really wanted to comment on British colonialism. But originally, mm -hmm. when she got the script, the main character, Evie, was actually written as a white woman, but she fought to make her a woman of color. Good. So she actually imagined Natalie Emanuel playing Evie because she had really fallen in love with her in Game of Thrones. I mean, come yeah, on, who didn't, I mean, right? The Sandy for life. Yeah. yeah. So luckily, she was able to get her on board. And then she also found Courtney Taylor, who plays Grace, another woman of color who is Evie's best friend in the movie. And she discovered her on Instagram. And then in rehearsals, she worked really closely with the two actors to help find the voices of their characters. She did not want the dialogue to feel like inauthentic, so she asked for their input, and they even wrote jokes together to kind of figure out how to make them work. She really wanted it to come across like these women would be fearful and skeptical about going into a white world, especially a wealthy white world. Mm -hmm. So she relied on the actors' experiences a lot, but she also drew on her own history of working in the film industry. And she said to Fangoria, quote, as a woman in a male-dominated industry, I understand that feeling of feeling like the other. We layered that in, but it was very important to me in terms of showing those race relationships and that being a subtle theme throughout the film. I mean, it's certainly one of the things that elevated it for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So unfortunately, I could not find any information about what she's up to next. It feels like if you have a fairly successful film on Netflix, you would be doing something else. And I'm sure she is, but she's not talking about it in any interviews and there's Rude. nothing on IMDb. So we'll just have to keep an eye out and hope that she does something cool again. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she will. I'm yeah. sure she will, right? She better. <laughs> Are you listening, Jessica? Get on it. <laughs> Rachel said so. <laughs> Listen, I want nothing but success. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I root. I root for these ladies. And I think that <laughs> well, we'll get into it. But I think she has yeah. a really important point of view and I want mm -hmm. more of it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. See? See? <laughs> I come from a good place. Yeah. What have I done to get this reputation? <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. So let's get into our review. I'll go first to give you a little voice break mm -hmm. about my sort of non-spoilery thoughts about this. 
I have to say right off the bat that I had way more fun with this than I had anticipated. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like this lane of horror, the sort of like PG-13 gothic kind of romantic mainstreamy horror that is typically like it's so light that while even maybe it's not necessarily bad, it doesn't necessarily connect for me. I yeah. want a little... I want a little social commentary. I want a little subversiveness and transgression. I want to be a little disgusted, horrified, challenged. And like while these this genre, this lane is fine and I think a lot of people have a good time there, typically it's just not for me. Um and I think probably as a result of that I probably would never have watched this if it was not woman directed. I would have yeah, skipped it. I would have uh, too. Absolutely. And I'm glad it is because not only, yay, I love to see women get theatrical releases. I love to see them get, you know, Netflix releases, all of those things. But I also ultimately really ended up digging this quite a bit. And I think a big part of it comes down to some of what you're talking about with the character of Evie. I really appreciated that there was some social commentary in there. And I do think that because she's a woman of color, it breaks sort of this boring formula of like, hmm like the thing that makes someone worthy to be the final girl or lead girl or defeat the evil is rooted in some like ideas around like um white supremacy. Um so <laughs> yeah. I appreciated that and I also absolutely love the actor and I absolutely loved her friend Grace right, right She's away. So great. I know. Shout out to Courtney Taylor. You are amazing in this. And I they feel like people. They feel like friends. Yeah. And they're I enjoy spending time with them right away. Um, like I said, I like that this movie adds interesting elements around class and race and history. You know, mm-hmm. so that when we get to the twist that apparently the marketing ruined, but I never watched any of the marketing. Yeah. Um the director wasn't super pleased with that. I would she imagine. Was, yeah, because she talked about how basically the trailer gave away the entire movie all the twists and turns in it and she was hoping to like kind of leave that for the audience she wanted them to only do teaser trailers but of course for marketing purposes they had to do an actual trailer did they um, did I they i mean i don't know she was like basically she i mean she was trying not to insult netflix i think or whatever production company put together that stuff because she was like you know i know some people like to be spoiled in that way to see their movies and i want to like respect that but i really wish people hadn't seen it yeah 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 because i mean i i really yeah i don't know i liked the twist i like i could i kind of could see it coming obviously but i did kind of also feel like the way it was set up is it was meant to be a little bit of a reveal because it happened so late in the film Mm -hmm. but i like had an inkling because the poster had like vampire blood on her mouth so i was like "Mm." So yeah, I this movie is it's not an art house film. It is not no. attempting to be like highbrow no, Oscar no, bait. That's not what it's going for at all. It's not trying to break every formula. It's trying to like work within a very specific kind of set of tropes and put a little twist on them. And in that way, I think it is very successful. Um, I think it's something, if you're looking for a horror movie to show your non-horror friends, you could easily put this on and 100%. they would be able to hang. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that horror fans, who especially fans of of like the gothic tradition and Hammer films and those kinds of yep. things are going to appreciate the fresh twist that this puts on a very time-honored tale. 
And you know I live for a good for her movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's on Netflix. Yep. It's so easy. <laughs> so yeah, for me, this is a recommend. Check it out. Go into it. Just have a good time with it. It is a it is a fun little romp. Yeah. How about you? What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I think we we're kind of on the same page here. Like, I think I was set up to enjoy this movie just because it is a gothic horror movie. Uh-huh. And like, give me an Edgar Allan Poe adaptation starring Vincent Price or a Hammer horror movie. And I'm like the happiest girl ever, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I love I just love that, you know, the costuming and the architecture and the creepy, you know, spooky mansion vibes and stuff. So yeah. I think I was set up in a way to like this, but also I have to say that the reason I had never checked this out is because a lot of people on social media, like on horror Twitter, didn't like this movie. Okay. But there were a ton of people on our discord, like a lot of patrons and fellow podcasters who really liked it. So I was like, I don't know where I'm going to land. Right. But ultimately I ended up enjoying it. I think that this is a really fun, light movie, like you were saying, and I think what kind of elevates it for me and made it more enjoyable than it maybe would have been otherwise are two things. One, Evie and her friend are great. And then two, the fact that they did try to weave in some kind of commentary on class and race and they didn't do it in such a ham-fisted way that a lot of movies do where they put in like cringy dialogue or something, you know? Yeah. I do think that this movie, like you were saying, it telegraphs the twist so early. I I think that you can kind of guess what's coming. I don't think it's going to surprise a lot of people unless maybe you've just like never watched horror movies. Right. But ultimately it's like a fun diverting little movie. It's, you know, kind of simplistic and straightforward, but it, I don't know. I had a good time, you know? Yeah. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad it was fun. Like I I think we tend to be drawn to really dark stuff. And so sometimes just having a good time with a horror movie is a good reminder that that's also like a really fun and valid way to enjoy the genre. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I think what's interesting is like if I look back at some of my favorite horror movies from the past, like when I was growing up, a lot of them were like light and had nothing to say about the world. You know what I mean? They were just like fun horror. And sometimes I think maybe because we think about the movies so much because we are podcasting about them, I get stuck on it needing to be deeper and more and say something but like i had a blast with cocaine bear and and renfield and megan this year yeah 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 i just think sometimes we just want a little bit of joy and what i appreciate about this is we get that but we also kind of get like it's almost this movie kind of sticks it to the gothic tradition in a way that i like the way Mm -hmm. that like it is pretty patriarchal (laughs) and and i i think this is a fun little a little feminist jab at that and i like that Yeah, absolutely. All right. So now you know what we think about it, which means it's time for us to go into the spoiler zone. Now, folks, you know the deal. We're going to spoil this thing front to back. We're going to talk about the ending. We're going to talk about the themes. We're going to talk about who lives, who dies. We're going to talk about um, the costuming. We're going to talk about everything. Everything is up for grabs. So if you are spoiler averse, you should be taking this time where I vamp no spoilers there, um, to uh, get the heck out of here, go check it out on Netflix and come on back and hear all of the details of what we really think. All right. You should be gone by now. Cool people only. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to give you the synopsis, which has spoilers in it. So okay. you have been warned. And it's a little bit long because there's a lot of plot to this movie. Yeah, there actually is a surprising amount of, a plot, lot of plot in this one. Well, yeah. So, so bear with me. All right. After a cold opening uh, decapitation, nice way to start a movie. Yeah, Rachel and I watched that 
probably seven times between the two of us <laughs> when we tried to start the movie. Sure did. Sure did. Um, it, you know what, though? It's a really cool, beautifully shot sort of gothic-y it really kind is. of thing. Um, I know so this is maybe stupid to focus on, but the bust that she's holding, the like marble beautiful. bust. Beautiful. Right? Because it somehow looks like there's a see-through veil over the top of her face, even though yes. it's all carved out of stone. whatever visual asmr is but like any marble statue that looks soft like it does something good to my brain Mm -hmm. like whenever there's like flowing fabric in marble and it just you you look at it and your brain says that's soft but you know it's not right i freaking love that (laughs) i mean i know hot take fine art is fine Um, (laughs) but i i just want you to know i'm on the same page as you okay All right. So after decapitation by way of a beautiful bust, um, Evie, we meet Evie. And Evie is a struggling artist living in New York. She's making ends meet as a cater waiter while she pursues her MFA. She is a ceramics lady, which I'm sure you were like, yes, representation matters, ceramics rules. <laughs> She's also struggling with grief because she recently lost her mother. And yeah. that was very sad and triggering. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a whim, she, after drinking some wines... This is, again, relatable for me. She sends her DNA into one of those sort of family DNA things. Yeah, like 23andMe or something. Exactly. Uh, to find out if she has any family left. Uh, and surprise, surprise, she does. And unlike some people that I actually know, it was not a uh, mysterious sibling that they Ooh, didn't know existed. <laughs> I have a friend who had who discovered through 23andMe that they had not one but two secret siblings. <gasps> What? One from each parent. What? <laughs> yeah. From each parent? Yes. <laughs> That's bonkers. Isn't that crazy? That would be such a head trip. I cannot imagine. Yep. Yep. I think it was. I think it was definitely I, very surprising. I can't. I can't. That's but they insane. now have a relationship with these siblings. I mean, like, that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. But they have not told their parents that they know about the siblings. Oh, fuck. So everybody's just keeping secrets. Everybody <laughs> keeping secrets. But yeah, so that's a thing. Just know that when you send it in, you may find out that you're related to a serial killer. You may find right. out you have a secret sibling. You don't know. Or maybe, maybe like Evie, you find out that you're the secret part, like the offshoot of a very weird, <laughs> upper crusty asshole family in london uh her cousin oliver shows up and he is just so bubbly and he invites her to the wedding of the century and reluctantly she agrees because free trip to london honestly this is how i die yeah I <laughs> if would somebody take, wanted I to fly me mm-hmm. first class to london i'd be like well you know it was a good life here i go <laughs> all right so once she gets there, things are weird in all the ways you expect. Weird blue blood assholes, classist garbo, all yep. that shit. But also in ways that are unexpected, like maids who have numbers sewed onto their uniforms. Or who are then those numbers are used to uh, choose in the middle of the night which one of them will clean the master's library. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. Yep. Um, speaking of which, also the master, Walter DeVille, who is very quote-unquote handsome and way too young. <laughs> And way too into Evie. Yeah. So as the weekend progresses and we move towards the wedding, um, she starts vibing with the with the master. Uh, the what is he like a duke or something? I can't remember. Oh shit! Titles. Did they tell us? I don't know. I don't know. So, so English what, titles confuse me. Yeah. 
yeah sir fancy pants um <laughs> perfect she, she also meets two other women who represent the other two powerful families that are sort of in the mix of this upper crusty milieu uh one of them is lucy and she's very sweet and has like very cute 1920s bob and then the other one is victoria who sucks victoria yeah. sucks she yeah, is she's the worst classist racist uh Americanist, although, you know, relatable. Um, so Evie <laughs> and Walter, who is the DeVille character, they get closer and closer. And eventually, of course, seduction they ensues. They bang. <laughs> after which she jokingly agrees to marry him. But twist! That joke was enough. That was all he needed to initiate the ritual. Which, turns out, is a marriage. It is a polyamorous uh, marriage between him and the other two ladies that bring all four of the families together. At which point, like, when they're all married for some unexplained reason, that is when everybody around them also enjoys eternal life. Yeah. And surprise, surprise. Oh, by the way, also they're all vampires. <laughs> <laughs> twist <laughs> you almost forgot the biggest twist yes so no surprise evie is not down with it she tries nope. to escape that doesn't work she I, there's a fun little kind of easter egg that you know she she wanders into the store of the harker family you know if you yeah. are down with dracula or dracula's as aria would call them mm. then you know this lore <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> so uh so yeah whatever she gets caught brought back um and then is forced into this wedding and she learns kind of important details that she's going to drink his blood and become powerful and then he's going to drink her blood and then she's going to become one of the the wives Brides and of dracula which I'm like, dang, loose lips, McGillicuddy Lucy. Like, <laughs> as soon as we learned that, I was like, oh, it's a wrap for DeVille. She, of course, <laughs> is not down with it. She kills the fuck out of almost everyone, mm -hmm. including her would-be husband and her would-be sister wives. Only mm -hmm. really one person gets away, her cousin Oliver. And you're kind of like, well, that sucks. That's not justice served. But what it does do is it adds this opportunity for this little coda at the end of the film, yeah. which is Evie with her badass new haircut and her badass sidekick lady hunting him down i want a sequel that's I about know. them <laughs> i know like i want them to become vampire hunters and they just like travel the world killing vampires together yes yes all right so that is your synopsis ariel i went first last time your turn tell me what you think of this movie all spoilers is acceptable yeah so here's the thing is i really enjoyed this movie but it's not like great. Do you know what I mean? It's like okay. pretty good and it's entertaining, but I did have some problems with it. Okay. But the thing that I really appreciated, like we were saying before, is there is this effort at like class critique and talking about racism. I think it's a somewhat superficial job at doing that, but I really did like a lot of what they were saying. And I think things like you were saying, like the the numbers on the maid's uniform was a really interesting way to do that. Or like just the way that she's talking to the staff versus how the rich people or the butler guy who he's the worst um, talks to the staff. You mean Renfield? <laughs> yeah. That's his name. Yeah. I didn't know that until I looked at the IMDb and I was like, oh God, I'm an idiot. Like, of course he's like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I also like the idea that these 
well, I don't like the idea, but I like that it was in the movie that there are these wealthy families who have all been helping each other out for generations. You know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like it, it, it's kind of talking about nepotism or just the way that rich people help each other to monopolize resources and kind of like hoard wealth and power. And yeah. I think that that was, you know, was interesting. And also it, it gives you that feeling of like being trapped because there is literally nobody here who is going to help her, you know? Yeah. I mean, because even when she escapes to that town. Like, oh, they're yeah. not going to help her at oh, all. Oh, no. Mm-mm. She should have listened to the head maid woman, like the, I don't, I don't know what her position was, but the really nice older woman, uh-huh. um, and just run and not stop running. So like, she never should have, yeah, she never should have asked for help. She just should have kept going. Yep. But, oh, weirdly, did you get stuck on the Shrike bird thing? Because I looked that up, and these are real birds, and I was like, damn, that's creepy. I mean, I've heard of a shrike, but I didn't I like. I never heard of that. So what they do is they take their beak when they grab like a mouse or a small animal, whatever it is, and they pinch the spinal cord until they're paralyzed, and then they shake them to break their neck, and then they impale them. Impale on them? Yeah, on like a thorn or a branch or whatever. Holy shit! No, I yeah. had not looked that up. That is wild. And they're just little songbirds. They're literally Ooh. songbirds. They are vicious songbirds. Right? <laughs> I guess you're right. She did specifically like, say what kind of bird it was, not just it yeah. was a, like, which is what we would normally do. Just be like, oh my God, a bird just flew into it. It wouldn't be right. like, you know, a walking yeah. jay just flew <laughs> 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 Yeah. Walking jay is a real kind of bird, right? That's not just a. I think, um, I, I think it's just from the Hunger Games. Maybe it is. I regret. I regret everything. Wait, I mean, okay. <laughs> but there's also like a mockingbird in that children's like song too mocking bird i said mocking yeah but i'm just wondering if like i mean definitely not the one from the hunger games because it can literally repeat anything right yeah (laughs) oh lord (laughs) it's been a week girl (laughs) and it's sunday so i really have no excuse Um, I really liked the friendship between the two women. It kind of reminded me of Get Out. You know how there's those sections where he's like talking to his friend, the TSA agent, and it's yes. always so funny and the way that he supports him. I felt like it was very similar. I honestly just wish there had been more of that. I wish there had been like a couple more phone calls or something between the two of them or like a video call because I thought that um, she was so great and their mm-hmm. like back and forth was really entertaining. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that the plot here is fairly predictable. I think one, it kind of telegraphs the whole vampire thing. Even like I had never seen any ads for it or anything, but I mean, it's impossible not to know that that's what's coming. I kind of feel like, but I also think it maybe suffers a little bit from the fact that it reminded me of ready or not. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is talk about a double feature. Yeah. (laughs) Down to that last beat. Well, not the very last beat, but the second to last beat where she's just like out front as the shit burns. Uh And even her like running in that frilly dress, puffy dress, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, one, it kind of led me to figuring out kind of exactly what was going to happen. But I also think maybe ready or not is just like a hair better. But I also think that okay i was realizing as i was watching the ending 
that this is probably a me problem and has a lot to do with like where my head's at right now okay. that I wanted more violence against rich people like they got off too easily <laughs> like, <laughs> my I know girl they, I know that they all died but like I needed it to be like just a touch more vicious or something do you know mm-hmm. what I mean no yeah I totally know what you mean listen I'm all for violence against the rich like I am like me and the orcas, we're on the same page. Right? You, me, and the orcas. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that this is kind of in keeping with like one of these old school hammer horror films where the violence is like, yeah. there is some, but it's fairly understated. Yes. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Yeah. There were some like visual things that happened in this that I thought were really cool. Like one, there's a scene where Evie is in her bedroom and she looks up and there's a canopy over the bed that she's sleeping in and there's a vampire on top of it. And you just see the vampire kind of silhouetted and you're mostly seeing the hands with the claws like pushing on the fabric. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. The manicure scene made me deeply uncomfortable. I feel like that was the most scene, like tense scene in the entire film because you knew it it was coming. And I went, I got a manicure and pedicure today and I was during that part where they had the little (laughs) clippers. I was like, "Mm, I don't know about this. (laughs) Yeah, it was like every little sound. I was like feeling my body tense up, you know, Mm -hmm. waiting for it to happen. Um, I also really liked the part where she cut somebody's arm off with the wire cutter tool, the like ceramics tool. That was very cool. Or even when the Brides of Dracula at the end, when they die and they start kind of cracking and turning to dust, I thought that looked pretty great too. Yeah. I mean, I loved the use of that statue, the dragon, when the knight statue. It was such a cool... The design of the Gothic castle is very cool inside and all of the art is really cool. Mm -hmm. And um, seeing that, you know, basically, you know, the slaying on that piece of art was like nice and ironic and a cool use of of a cool piece of visual a visual aspect of the film yeah there was also a chandelier in there that was like covered in tassels that i really appreciate yes the one that was in her room yeah yeah oh you think i did not see that also her wallpaper (laughs) is amazing yeah i know it's sort of like a wallpaper fiend i am a wallpaper fiend and it is so expensive i've learned (laughs) Oh, were you thinking of putting some in your new place? Of course. Uh Like the most obnoxious I could find. But unfortunately, it is very expensive. Oh, no. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I love it. It's sort of this pastoral, English pastoral scene. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the fashion? Because it, it didn't have a lot of the, like, gothic fashion. I like, wish it was a little more day. gothic. Yes, mm-hmm. I wish it was a bit more gothic. But I will say I did love her sort of sort of phoenix red floral yeah. uh, or, sorry, feather dress at the end. Like, the sculptural feathers I thought were incredibly beautiful. Yeah. A lot of times there's, like, you know, you're supposed to be like, ooh, the dress. And it's just, there. it's not that much of a wow. Like, the yellow uh-huh. dress was pretty and it was pretty on her skin and... Um, but it was, you know, it was a, it was a pretty silk bias cut dress. Fine. It wasn't probably very expensive, but it was not a wow. This one I thought was quite, it was a wow. And she's so stunning. Yeah. So, um, in terms of costuming, she looked great. She looked fantastic. She's so pretty. (laughs) Oh yeah. She's beautiful. (laughs) This really goes for it with the visuals. And I appreciate that. I mean, I and I'm glad that they call out the hokiness of the fireworks scene, but mm-hmm. it is very like it made me think a lot about the Great Gatsby 
Yeah. And it kind of re reminds you of exactly kind of like the class of people mm-hmm. that she's there with. Like they're the, you know, the American version of that, right? Like the Robert Barron era. I think it like kind of it there is like the British aspect to it, right? But as an American audience, kind of doing a, almost a callback to the American version of that, I think really yeah. highlighted the class stuff and what she's getting at with, like you said, like the hoarding of resources, the the villainous billionaires, all of that kind of stuff. Like it was sort of a, a subtle signal cue to American audiences of exactly who this person represents, like the sinister level of it. Like we understand that they're like rich royal, like, you know, royalty right but because we don't have like dukes who live in castles here it's just a little bit different no. so yeah i agree but the that. american analogy is yes. is this sort of gatsby-esque character yeah, and just as sinister oh just as sinister mm-hmm. <laughs> he would have been a great gatsby because yes oh my gosh he would have yeah yeah yep 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 yeah i i'm mostly really like this i do think you're right in that it is not breaking the mold in terms of any sort of um plot you know like it is it follows a very familiar formula yeah you know how it's going to kind of resolve the it's a shame that the one big twist was ruined by the marketing because i do think that's where it deviates from some of the formula I wish we had seen more of them in their monstrous form because when they're in that wine cellar and you get like hints of it and you see the horror on the maid's faces, I wanted to see something very grotesque. Yeah. Like almost maybe like insect-like or just like a real perversion of the body I was imagining because it's so tall. It seems to be like looming over her, something like stretched out neck or – you know what I mean? I wanted to see something more monstrous yeah, than what we ultimately what we just got. Yeah, because like fingernails growing. You know what I mean? Like it's Which not like, – Like that manicure is not – it but it's also not that (laughs) scary (laughs) yeah i mean i think it also kind of rushes the third act a little Mm -hmm. bit like there's so much kind of build up to it and then it just feels like it's over really fast yeah i will say though i did really appreciate the reveal scene i love the dinner scene Mm -hmm. yeah um i liked how that all played out and the horror of it more so than the slashing of the girl's neck any of that is just how she's in this room full of people like smiling and like yeah. she as she, as she's basically being forced into this marriage and realizing she's surrounded by monsters and how alone she is the horror of that i feel like that scene really communicated that whereas maybe some of the supernatural horror was not necessarily as effective that sort of social piece of it and that psychological piece i think really worked yeah um i appreciated that we got so many female characters in so many different roles oh that's true that's a good point you know this was originally titled the bride and it right because of testing got changed um to the yeah because she was really trying to reference the brides of dracula a lot right and she is the heart of this film right yeah but i we got lots of different kinds of women we got Mm -hmm. evie we got grace we got the two different brides who are very different we got the housekeeper there we got the the maids like there was a lot of different levels of class a lot of different um like in terms of like ethnicity represented Mm -hmm. um and there were like a lot of different types of women and personality types we had the villainous mina harker you know there was a lot of variety of women. Um, this movie would absolutely pass the Bechdel test. And I think, yeah, that's true. You know, 
if you think about Dracula, that there are women in that film. Yeah. But it is very much about the men of that film, like Jonathan Harker, Dracula, mm-hmm. Renfield, Van Helsing. The women sort of just exist in victim roles, even when they become monstrous, they're like seduced and don't have a lot of agency at any point. Right. Whereas this film, certainly the women in this film have agency literally to a person. Um, and I appreciate that quite a bit. I think that's a way that this puts a twist on the original vampire mythos and elevates it for me is getting mm-hmm. to see, you know, Evie may be seduced by this guy, but she is an active participant in that seduction. And then certainly is not, ever under his spell once there there's she absolutely drives forward her own destiny and all of this yeah because even once they're married it's not like she all of a sudden falls under his spell then Mm -mm. and is controlled like she keeps her wits about her the whole time yeah and even during the seductions parts of it like she's kind of push and pull with it Mm -hmm. and then moves the action forward it's interesting when they have their first kiss it's her that kisses him not him that kisses her yeah Um, and she undresses herself too yep you're right you are correct and i appreciate that like these are the little subtle like things that elevate it for me and make it kind of like a fun feminist good for her and in the end to see that she's like again taking control of her destiny and being like oh we're not done yet you crossed me and we are not we're not going to be done till i knock you all out yeah um and I, I love that evolution for her. You know? Yeah, I even like that there wasn't a moment where she thought about it. Do you know what I mean? Like after she be after she drinks the blood and the ceremony yeah. is over, she could have been like, well, I mean, I'm a, I'll live forever and I'll yeah. be wealthy. Maybe Mm-mm. I should do this. There's no moment of that. She's just immediately like, how do I kill all these people so I can leave? <laughs> right. So honesty time. Yeah. You're given the choice to be a vampire. W- where do you go? What's your answer? Oh, given a choice to be a vampire? And to like, in this scenario too, where you're like, now suddenly British royalty and live in your best oh, life. Oh no, fuck that. If I could just be like a regular ass vampire, then I would I would do that. So like, okay, you now what vampire lore movie, which one do you want to be? Like, are you a Twilight vampire? No. Or are you a, I know, but I guess, <laughs> naming I vampires. Are you a Renfield vampire? Like what kind of vampire? No, where, God, no. What's your vampire lane? Um... Maybe like a true blood vampire. Okay. Okay. Sexy Southern vampire. Yeah, but like not one who used to be like a Confederate soldier. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. But I'm asking if you got a chance to be turned. (laughs) Spoiler alert, you were never a Confederate soldier. So like which vampire community would you join? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that's a good question. I I feel like I would probably be do better as like a loner vampire. You would be a loner? That'd be so lonely. (laughs) That would be, but I feel like that might be the position I get myself into. Um, I feel like the the true blood ones, like at least it's everything's like more modern and you don't have to actually kill somebody because there's like a substitute. Look at you. You're a loophole vampire. (laughs) That's what you are. (laughs) This is not an ethical question if you get to be a vegetarian vampire. (laughs) Well, but I also like, I would like to live longer. I would Uh also like to be a vampire so that I like never have to feel that like pain again. If I could just be like healthy and not feel pain, that would be sweet. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. (laughs) My partner (laughs) just texted me, Jackie Daytona. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, maybe that's what the we do in the shadows, vampire. <laughs> yep, yep, that's the one. That's actually the right answer. Is the what we do in the shadows, yeah. vampire. <laughs> so I'm a piece of shit. Uh, I would take pretty much any offer. So. <laughs> Vampires out there, like, holla! Like, <laughs> I'm ready for your dark gift. Let's do this. <laughs> awesome. All right. Any other thoughts about the? invitation before we wrap it on up no i mean i just think you know i think if you are looking for a movie that's going to be just like light and fun and doesn't require a ton from you but you're going to have a good time then this is a great pick you know like we were saying it doesn't really break the mold in any kind of way but it's just a a good time it's a good time yeah yeah sometimes i need that you know god don't we don't we yes. need that girl yes <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I agree. I enjoyed this quite a bit. Like, like I said, when I put, uh, we always on the Discord. If you're a patron and on the Discord, you see like whenever we're watching something, people, and this is true, a lot of people on the Discord they'll like share, and then other people will chime in like, oh, I like that, or oh, well, what'd you think of that? And when I put this one in there, there were a lot of people who were like, that's yeah, fun. yeah, um, a lot of people really liked it, and I was like, cool, and they were correct. This is a fun one. This mm -hmm. makes me excited for what Jessica Thompson does next. Um, clearly she is capable of doing really serious stuff, but also really fun sort of popcorn films. And I feel like there is this expectation that female filmmakers have to like constantly be like making the greatest film ever. And it has to be serious and it has to have a message and it has to like really connect. Like, but men are not expected to do that. Right. Like they get to make right. the fun popcorn films. Um, and so I want to celebrate those just as hard as I would something really profound. Yeah, because it's like, yes, I want more movies from like Veronica Franz or Rama Gary, but yeah. I also want another Fear Street. And I also would yes. like love this kind of movie too. Yeah. Hard, hardest of agrees. Hardest of agrees. All right. Awesome. So I would say yes, recommend. Check it out. It's on Netflix. Do yourself a favor. Pop some popcorn, get some candy, yes. snuggle up with your boo thing and give this <laughs> a watch because you're going to have a fun time, a light, fun time. All right, listeners, what did you think? Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Let us know. Or maybe you have a question or a concern or whatever. You can always drop us a line at Rachel at Zombie Girls. That's Z-O-M-B-I-E-G-R-R-L-Z.com. Or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. You can also slide into the DMs at ZG Podcasts. That's podcast with an S uh, on Instagram yeah. and Twitter and threads. Yes, We're on come, threads, come talk to us. We're on threads. We're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, It's a lot. But I chat with people all the time in the DMs. So like drop on by. We can have yeah. a combo. I know because I creep on them. I learn. <laughs> I, see, I see you chatting. I see you chatting. Sometimes I'll have had a cup of coffee and be like, I'm joining in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you're enjoying the show, do us a huge favor and let people know, including us, by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your pods. Rate and review on Spotify and Audible and all of them things. Um, if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight because you've already watched The Invitation, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com. We keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on all of the very, very many There are services. so many. You need Girl. this calendar. It will make your life so much simpler. Like use this 
and figure out exactly what you want to watch and it's going to show you where to watch it so you don't have to like yep. cycle through a million streaming services correct analysis paralysis resolved yes. okay just go check it out um if you want to support us with some monies you can do so by buying some of our sweet, sweet merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. We've got a new shirt coming soon. I'm Woo-hoo! working on it. I'm, I'm trying so to decide, is like text just enough? Do I need to get art made? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like text would probably be enough, but it's your brainchild. So. I mean, we can always just start with the text and then do an additional because yeah. it's really cool. And it came, it was like, it came, like it was inspired at an actual Riot Girl music festival. Last weekend that I yes. went to, La Tigra was amazing. Um, and I realized, you know, we are maybe not girls to the front of the stage this time. Yeah. We might have been a little bit older, but we still fucking rock. So a yeah. new shirt is coming. Stay tuned. We'll announce it as soon as it's out. But in the meantime, why don't you go get one of them cool, more deadly shirts? Put me in Ariel on your boobs. All right. <laughs> and then, of course, the other way is Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash zombie girls. We get extended episodes, bonus episodes. Uh, you can hang out at, in that sweet, sweet Discord we're always talking about and uh, other random stuff that we do from time to time. Um, so check that out. And for those of you who have become patrons, like most recently, Rich Rabbit, our latest patron, thank you Ooh. so much for joining the Patreon. Yes, you rock. Thank it you. It means so much to us. It makes my little heart go pitter patter. You like me. You really like me. Or probably just Ariel. Oh, my God. Relatable. (laughs) So, yeah, join the Patreon. All right. That just leaves our plans for the next episode for those people who are not yet Patreons. So, um, it was my turn. And I actually did plan something for once. Look at me. I'm so excited. Yes. I mean, I planned it 10 minutes before the episode. But I planned it. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, it was more like 45 minutes before the episode. I realized we are halfway through the year of our Lord 2023. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means? It's time to reflect and to look forward. So Ariel and I are going to talk about our favorite horror films so far that are women directed in 2023. And we're also going to talk about what we're most looking forward to in the second half yes. of 2023. So you're going to want to stick around for that because maybe you missed some of these. Maybe there's some that um some of us saw or not yet that we can get a little insight on <laughs> it's gonna be good it's gonna be good so that just leaves what we're gonna be watching on the next episode and you get to pick or i get to pick it's my turn to pick yeah i'm trying to steal my to pick. pick back up off my pick lady <laughs> it's my turn it is technically my pick but this is actually in reality a matilda pick Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. boy. We're ready. <laughs> she says, as she likes to say, she likes an ordeal of a film. She sure does. And my understanding is this one is definitely an ordeal. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> so she saw this and has been dying to talk about it with someone. And okay. I, I seen this thing a rumbling and a bumbling around and people like okay. very divisive. Very no divisive film. You're talking about. I'm so excited. And uh, she also told me to tell you warnings for all of the trigger warnings. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> it, like I said, it's Matilda. For those of you, say you're only a more deadly pick, you have not uh, experienced the magic of Matilda. Although she was, she has been on a couple of episodes. Yeah, she has. So you should know Matilda. Um, but she, whenever it's her turn to pick movies, we all just brace 
because it's going to be something mm. intense. <laughs> and I think this is going to be as well. We're going to be watching Soft and Quiet by director Beth De Araujo. So are you familiar with this one? So the title sounds familiar to me, like I've heard about it before, but I actually have no idea what it's about. So I'm curious. Okay. And well, a little scared. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to read you the description from IMDb okay. and I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to, I don't know that it's going to help. I know a little okay. bit about this because she was so rattled after she saw it. She gave oh, me some okay. details and I was like, fuck. She's like, we got to, I don't know if we want to cover this on the show. And I was like, Oh, this is a more deadly watch. Sure. <laughs> All right. So here's the description from IMDb. Playing out in real time, an elementary school teacher organizes a mixture of like-minded women when she encounters a woman from her past leading to a volatile chain of events. Hmm. Okay. That is fairly vague. It's very vague. And because I know a little bit more, it is not tipping its hand. Okay. So question <sighs> is, before I watch this, should I watch like a trailer or something? No. So that I'm prepared. No. Okay. I think you go in cold. Oh, God. Just know Going it's a Matilda cold, watch. A That's, That's all you them. need to know. It's got to be rough. Yeah. I did that with Swallow when she picks it out. <laughs> that was a great movie, though. The thing is, it she's was. not wrong. I know. She picks yeah, great movies. Right. She's not wrong. And they usually make you think a lot. And yeah. I think they're this often one profound. But yeah. yeah. This one's going to be okay. rough. It's gonna, I'm just going to tell you right now, not for watching with family. Okay. Good like, to know. Of any age. Okay, good to know. Or yes. any gender. Okay. <laughs> this is a, a watch by yourself on okay. your laptop. <laughs> I won't or, invite my niece over then. <laughs> I would not. I would not. Yep. Because you're going to have to simple, explain some things. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is a solo watch. I will also be doing this okay. solo. I'm not going to put oh, my partner wow. through it. Yep. Okay. Yep. But just based oh, on the one thing. The two things that Matilda let slip before I went, oh, yeah, this is we won't be doing this on zombie girls. <laughs> <laughs> this is a more deadly conversation. Holy shit. Yeah. 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 Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Listeners, yeah. I'm going to need us to collectively watch this movie. Yes. With the caveat that all the all the trigger warning. Like maybe check that first. <laughs> yeah. If you are someone who struggled with some of the other movies we've watched or are yeah. I wouldn't say easily like I moderately triggered like this is definitely not this is not beginner like I would check that out okay and... so feel free to like sit it out and just come listen to us yeah not yeah not worry about the movie <laughs> no I watch it if you feel like you're up for it like watch it yeah. but I just don't want to blindly send yes. people into this one we've done that some people in the past um, and this uh -huh. one I know in advance <laughs> that it's going to be a pretty intense watch okay. so just keep that in mind um, I know there are going to be some people out there that are hearing this and they're going to be like oh shit oh shit and then they're going to watch it and be like whatever but sure you're not who I'm warning <laughs> right, right <laughs> I'm not exactly. actually talking to you my friend I'm talking to the people that would be bothered by this so just you know proceed with caution proceed with know caution thyself. but proceed yeah. but proceed if you're up for it because it'll be more fun if you get to stick around for all the spoilers all right yeah Ariel, now we know what we're watching yes, on the next episode. We know who will mm -hmm. be joining us, the lovely Matilda. Unless people are sticking around for the extended episode, that is it for us today. So why don't you take us out? All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of More Deadly. Check out Soft and Quiet. Come back next time and we'll get to 
hang out with the lovely Matilda as she tortures Rachel and I. <laughs> I mean, why are we hanging out with her? That's why. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to my co-host, Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Missman Rucker. And our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Moore. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode. Ode, 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 ode. <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's definitely not more deadly after dark because the sun is still out right now. <laughs> I know. I know. It's I summer. Kind of, I love it, though. I, I didn't know. Me when too. I was younger and I thought I was super goth and dark, mm-hmm. I loved the like, I always wanted it to be night. Now, right. as like an elder statesman, I just want the sun to be up it's when I wake so up in the nice. morning. I want to be able to go for a walk yes. at night. I love it. I, I, I never want it to be dark again. No, if it was like this year round, I would be so happy. I would also yeah. be so much happier if the sun was out year round in the Pacific Northwest. I know. I'm hoping 2024 is the year of Ariel's return to the sunny skies of California. My brain was built for California. I know. <laughs> it, was not, it was not built for this dark, rainy bullshit. Me too. I mean, like, I was almost very seriously going to move mm-hmm. to the Pacific Northwest. I can't came up there i house hunted i i looked at like five different houses yeah i remember you were really but on it board. was gray and rainy mm-hmm. i've actually house hunted up there twice by the way i went once and i house hunted in astoria right and then i house hunted in portland and vancouver okay uh-huh. and so there were two house hunt specifically yeah. flew there to house hunt <laughs> and also to see my friend dj co-host <laughs> of uh cast um and both times it was rainy and mm-hmm. cold and gray. And I was like, uh, oh, I think I have sad. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird because I when when we were thinking about moving here, I it didn't occur to me that it would be a problem because yeah. like it's really the Bay Area is so foggy in the mornings. I was like, yeah. I can deal like it's sure, dark. Sure, I live like, somewhere foggy, quote yeah. unquote. But it burns off and then you get beautiful sunshine like and the yeah. winter is sunny and not yeah. that cold. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's dark so much. And I had no idea how much it would affect my mental health, like how damaging it is really. And like every year when like the flowers start to bloom and the sun comes out, it's like this dark cloud was lifted from me. Yeah. You know, it's wild yeah. that it can affect you that much. Wild. I don't know <sighs> how people like in Alaska deal with the dark. I don't know. Maybe if you're raised there and you're used to it. That might be know. it. Yeah. That it's like an adjustment you make. But you're a California kid. You know yes. what I mean? So you know about summer and yeah, the first like mild years winters. Of my life, I lived in California. <laughs> I mean, we now get wildfires. Oh, sad. But I don't think this year, knock on wood, yeah. because it's you got so, so much wet rain. this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, we got to get you back here, girl. 2024, I'm manifesting. It's happening. So two things are happening in 2024. We are having Spooky Girl Weekend. Yes, I'm so excited. We are going to Salem Film Film Fest. We're going, and we're going with our band of spooky ladies. Yes. And you are moving back to California so that we can go hiking every week. do it. (laughs) (laughs) Where where has Rachel gone? Who stole Rachel? I know. 
I know. I'm, and you know what we might do after? We might go get some soup. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. These are these are strange days. We are living through strange times, my we friend. Sure are. All right. So, speaking of the times, yeah. we need to talk about the year 2023 as okay. it pertains to women-made horror. I want to kind of. I want to take your temperature. We're going to get into what movies were our favorites so far and what movies we're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to get a general vibe. Like, where do you think women in horror is this year? I mean, I think everything's looking really good. I've seen some really solid movies. I will say that there are a lot that are happening in the second half of the year that I think could potentially, like, knock out some ones I have at the top of my list. Yeah. Where, like, last year I feel like a lot of the my top ones came out in the first half of the year. Mm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, but there mm-hmm. is one on this list that we will get to that I I could see potentially continuing to be number one, not just in our more deadly list, but also in our zombie girls overall Ooh, list. Bold statements are being made on the more mm-hmm. deadly after dark episode. <laughs> <laughs> 